You're listening to a podcast from Victory. Through the Hebrew Believers, we learn how to maintain great faith in the midst of mounting pressure. Learn more about this truth in week one of our series, Great Faith. Today we're going to have, it's a privilege for me to uh, share this pulpit with us. I actually preached this morning, but this afternoon uh, we are uh, going to have one of our Every Nation leaders here with us from North America. And um, if you don't know uh, Pastor Adam, maybe this is just his second time to be here with us in Asia. Uh, he has traveled uh, in Europe. He actually is based in Boston, Massachusetts. He is the senior pastor or the lead pastor there of Aletheia Church, uh, a very intellectual church composed of Harvard, Cambridge, and MIT students. That's half of his congregation, our young people, and half are regular folks just like us. Uh, he is married to uh, his, uh, the love of his life uh, named Hope. And I like that idea that you're always with Hope every single day. Uh, they have four kids. And uh, Pastor Adam, really, I'm just amazed with this, uh, with this man because the first time I've met him was uh, several years ago. When we were, I was actually in Nashville, and we were actually uh, in this assessment time. And you were actually one of the assessors. And uh, I was so impressed with his leadership. And he planted a church in Boston, Massachusetts about eight years ago. And that is a thriving, multi-ethnic, uh, diverse church. Uh, he's also one of those uh, leaders that we have in our movement that has the brightest minds. Uh, he's finished two master's degrees. Right now, he's taking up two degrees. Don't copy him, okay? He's taking up one PhD uh, right now uh, in the University of Aberdeen. And he's also taking at the same time uh, a demon, okay, doctor of ministry uh, in Gordon-Conwell University. And at the same time, he wrote several books. He's, uh, he's wrote uh, Living Forward. He's got uh, Life and Doctrine. And I think at the back is available his latest book on the art of rest. How many of you need rest after all the vacation and all the fasting? You know, okay? uh, he's going to talk about that. Not today, but maybe sometime if you have a chance to meet him. So why don't we all welcome, with a Victory Alabang welcome, Pastor Adam Mabry. Good evening. That was kind of weak. Good evening. Thanks. I'm sorry. I'm from America. I'm used to being loud. Um, it's one of my favorite things about traveling internationally is that I can always spot or hear all of the Americans uh, before I see them because we're a loud bunch. Um, uh, very, very glad to be with you uh, today. I'm very excited to be with you as uh, you're kicking off this teaching series called Great Faith. Um, we are also tracking with the same series. We did the same week of prayer and fasting, and it was, it was amazing uh, just to see what God uh, was doing. And so, um, yeah, very, very privileged and happy to be here with you. So if you have a Bible, I want you to open it to the book of Hebrews, chapter 10. And as you're turning there, I want to introduce my uh, growing collection of humans uh, to you. Um, uh, this is my family. Um, my wife on the top right there, her name is Hope. And uh, yes, I am always with Hope. I guess not right now, I'm hopeless. Um, that's kind of a sad way to preach, I guess. Um, uh, yes, it, it is. Uh, right now, in January and February in Boston, uh, today I believe it's minus 10 Celsius. It's, yet somehow it's raining and it's dark. And so I'm super happy to be here. <laughs> um, unfortunately, the family couldn't make it, but it's their loss. Um, uh, Hope, and I, Hope and I met uh, when we were in high school. I was 15. She was 16. And so uh, she drove on our first date because I was too young. But I did open the driver's side door for her. And I feel like that counts for something. Um, uh, she uh, somehow fell for me, and uh, we got married uh, 
quite young. I was 20, she was 21, and, uh, and we kind of got right to work making people. Uh, and so this is, uh, you know, making disciples the old-fashioned way, I guess, is what we were, we were thinking of. So uh, th- this is my family. This is Alana on the bottom uh, right, or bottom left. Uh, she's my uh, almost 14-year-old daughter. She's brilliant. She plays the violin. Uh, in fact, uh, earlier today, uh, she was playing in a, in a talent show in her school is really great. Um, her little sister is Nora, just above her. There she is 11. She is my um, red belt in taekwondo, plays the piano, nature lover, just an amazing kid. Um, her little brother Cole on the bottom left is uh, my nine-year-old son who, unlike me, plays basketball uh, and, and plays it pretty well, which is, which is cool. Um, and uh, he's, I call him my warrior poet because he wants to wrestle with me and be like, total boy and then read me a poem that he wrote which is cool and then this is Wyatt and Wyatt has recently joined Al-Qaeda with an assignment with an assignment to destroy my house uh, <laughs> uh, I love Wyatt he, he just turned six he's absolutely crazy he has two speeds which is asleep and crazy um, but he's just he is a sweet sweet kid and, and I love them and so at some point I hope to bring them with me and uh, bring them here to the Philippines and introduce you all to them uh, but until then uh, there they are um, so hopefully now you're in uh, Hebrews chapter, uh, chapter 10. Um, I will read from verse 32 to 39. We will pray, and then by faith, God is going to speak to us through his word. Let's read. But recall the former days when, after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For... You had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised for yet a little while, and the coming one will come and not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul takes no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. This is the word of the Lord, friends. Let's pray. God, some of the men and women in here are just checking out Christianity for the first time. Others in here have been following Jesus for years. And then there are a bunch of us in between. Lord, you know where all of us are. And you know, God, that it's easy to show up to a church gathering and and for this to feel so normal that we could miss the profundity of meeting with you. So God, would you have mercy on us? Would you speak to us? Would you disrupt us a little bit so that we can hear you? And show us, indeed give us great faith. In Jesus' name, amen. I wonder when the last time was you wanted to quit. When was the last time you were just done and wanted to give up? I can tell you when it was for me. It was Wednesday. Because Wednesday was day three of a fast. And day three of any fast is the day I want to quit. It's also apparently the day that I have the worst breath, my wife tells me. Um, But that's neither here nor there. Um, I want to quit. It it also happens every time I'm about 75% done with any run of any length. 
could be a mile long. It could be 10 miles long. It's not Bishop Ferdy long. He's, that's, pa pa Pastor Ferdy is, that's crazy. Does he know that we have cars now, that he doesn't have to run 100 miles? I feel like someone should tell him. It's a really cruel joke. <laughs> no, I can, I can be running, and, and no matter how long I, the run is, about 75% in, I, I want to quit. I can also remember some more serious times. I can remember times uh, when ministry was really hard. I can remember times when parenting was hard. I can remember moments going through deep valleys of deep depression and wanting to quit life. By God's grace, I didn't. And I'm hoping that by the end of our time together, you will see what great faith looks like and you won't quit either. Because here's what I think the author of Hebrews wants us to understand from this chunk of the book. Great faith endures. Great faith endures. And I feel like that's really important for us to say because in churches like ours where we have cool lights and a great band and screens, we tend to be, of all the Christians, you know, kind of if you put us all up, up on a map, like we tend to be the enthusiastic ones. Fair? Right? Like we, we like to shout, we like to cheer. That's why I have all these wrinkles on my forehead because I lift my eyebrows and smile a lot. Right? Like we, we like to be encouraged, but faith and enthusiasm aren't the same thing. Oftentimes they go together, but a lot of times they don't. Sometimes the most faithful people are faithful through tears, are faithful when they are not seen, and are faithful in the dark. This is important to understand because great faith isn't just emotional enthusiasm. Neither is it, is it this, this great quantity of faith. You know, a lot of times people say, we've got to have more faith for that. And, and, and the Bible talks about faith that way, but that's not what, what this text is meaning. Neither is it talking about even purity of faith, as in the book of James, where he says, I, I want you to have clear-eyed, unsullied faith. But today, this text teaches us that if great faith does anything at all, it endures. And friends, this is critically important for us to understand because the things that are arrayed against you and the mission to which we as a global family, we as Christians, are called to will never get it done if we aren't willing to keep going when no one's looking, when it's hard, and when we're 75% into the run and we'd really like to stop. Great faith endures. And it's important you understand this because there, is, there are at least three things that are, that are pushing against you in your journey of faith. Theologically, um, uh, theologians have kind of categorized them into, into three categories. Uh, one is the world, and then the flesh, and then the devil himself. The world is just the fact that you and I live on an unredeemed planet Earth in an unredeemed cosmos. So even if you happen to be on staff at a great church like Victory, the world you live in, the highways you drive on, especially in the Philippines, <laughs> the places you shop, social media, is saturated with godlessness that wars against you and is like acid on the enamel of your faith. And then there's your own flesh. There, there's the fact that there are bits of your life, bits of your, your emotions, bits of your mind, your inner life, which doesn't want to follow Jesus, even when you really want to follow Jesus. The apostle Paul talked about this in Romans chapter seven. He said, listen, sometimes I do the very things I don't want to do, and I don't do the very things that I do want to do. What is going on? Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this bond of death? 
Your flesh fights you. And if that weren't enough that the world and your flesh fight against you, there is a layer of spiritual reality called the demonic, which wars against your soul. Now, I live in Boston. Our largest campus is right in between Harvard and MIT. And so every time I preach a sermon on the supernatural or the demonic, I get a very well-meaning but very foolish 19-year-old who goes to an important university who tells me, Pastor, we don't believe in the demonic. That's silly. To which I say, well, that's okay, because the demonic believes in you. <laughs> And it doesn't require you believe in it to really mess with your life. (laughs) There's the world and the flesh and the devil, and it is warring against your soul, friends. And so if we know that, and we do, then we must be ready to keep going in the mundane, to keep going when there's not a week of prayer and fasting, to keep going when you're not at church, to keep going when no one is looking, to keep going when you're a mom who's changed her 10,000th diaper, when you're, when you're going to a job that you don't really like, but it pays the bills and you're called to be faithful, when you are warring against something in your soul that's really about to get you, but you keep going, great faith endures through all of those things. And I want to show you how. I want to show you how. Great faith, the first thing great faith endures is testing. Listen to what the author writes. I keep referring to the author of Hebrews as the author because we have no idea who it is. A lot of great guesses exist, but they are just that. So I don't know. I look forward to figuring it out one day. Like when Jesus returns. (laughs) He writes this, But recall the former days when after you were enlightened, that is, after you came to faith in Jesus, you endured a hard struggle with suffering, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction and sometimes being partners with those who treated for you had compassion on those in prison and joyfully accepted the plundering of your property. Okay, imagine this. You're a normal person working a normal job in the year 88 in the city of Thyatira, in the eastern part of the Roman Empire. You're going to work, you're doing your thing, and your friend, who you grew up with, suddenly starts telling you very enthusiastically about this Jewish king named Jesus. Now, you're completely disinterested because you live a thousand miles from any Jews. But he won't stop talking. And he keeps talking about this Jewish king who's not like the king of the Roman Empire, Caesar, who wins with great armies and has his face on all the money. He's not like that. In fact, he became king of the whole cosmos by being overcome by men like Caesar and dying on a cross. And yet, rising again from death, conquering Satan, death, demons, hell, the grave, the flesh, all of it, so that by trusting in him, you can conquer too. You start hearing that, and at first you think he's crazy. But the third or fourth time, you see that he's different. And so he invites you to his house to do this thing called church. You have no idea what that is. To celebrate on this thing called the Lord's Day, which you don't understand either, but you're like, you know what? If it will shut him up. In fact, maybe that's how some of you got here. (laughs) But you go, and you meet these other followers of the way who worship this Jewish guy named Jesus, who also happens to be, according to these people, God. And after a while, you begin to believe what they believe. Something begins to feel strangely warm in your own soul, and you find you've trusted in Jesus too. And now, instead of begrudgingly going along, you show up every Lord's day, as you have come to understand them. And so you go once, you go twice, you go a third time. The fourth time you go, however, you walk up to this home and you find that the door has been kicked in and the furniture overturned and no one is there. 
you're scared, you're confused. And so you go and you ask someone in the neighborhood and they inform you, oh yeah, those were those crazy followers of the way. They've been arrested and hauled off to jail. You're heartbroken. Now, this is the first century in Rome, and so you, you, you realize that if they're going to survive in jail, someone has to bring them food. Because if you go to jail nowadays, you know, the government will give you food and you'll probably have a place to sleep. But, but jail back then was a hole in the ground where maybe you would eat sometimes and probably die. So you begin visiting your friend in jail. You begin feeding them. You begin ministering to them and blessing them and praying for them. And, and one day you go and the guard goes, no, wait a minute, you've come a lot. Are you one of them too? You're not with them, are you? And at this point, you have a choice to either say yes and be faithful to Jesus, but also invite a lot of difficulty, or to say no, save your own skin, but also reject Jesus. What the author of Hebrews is encouraging his readers to understand is to remember when they got saved, when they came to Jesus, and not recall when things were easy, but recall when things were hard, and they overcame. Sometimes we encourage each other badly. I don't have the spiritual gift of encouragement. I have been told I have the spiritual gift of affliction. I look forward to giving you some of that later, I guess. I don't know. Um, but usually when I try to encourage people, I say, hey, it's not so bad. Don't you remember when God did this? I'm sure he'll do it again, right? Haven't you done this before? Okay, the author of Hebrews, no interest in that. He says, don't you remember when you got saved and it became really hard? Remember it. Because you overcame then, and you will overcome now. Great faith endures testing. And this is important to understand, because an American, as an American, I feel like everywhere I go on planet Earth, I have to issue an apology. And here's what it is. My country has come up with a very unique heresy, which we have exported all over the world. Sometimes it's called the prosperity gospel. It goes like this. If you believe in Jesus, you'll be blessed, you'll have a better family, you'll be healthy, You'll get richer, your children will be amazing, and everything will always only ever be up and to the right, and then you die and meet Jesus. It's going to be amazing. And the only problem with that is the whole Bible and all of Christian history and Jesus. When you give your life to Christ, is there a blessing? Of course there's a blessing, yes. There's also some difficulty. And if you've signed up emotionally to follow Jesus, but haven't also come to terms with the fact that you will be tested and that will be hard, then you can't follow Jesus. You say, well, Pastor Adam, that sounds very harsh. Okay, well, don't believe me, believe Jesus. He said, if you won't take up your cross and follow me, you can't follow me. And by cross, he didn't mean like the jewelry. He meant like the torture device. Great faith will be tested, but great faith endures testing my friends. It keeps going. Sometimes when you're feeling discouraged, when you're ready to quit, you don't need to remember just the past victories. You need to remember what you endured and how God got you through it into those past victories. But this sort of begs the question, if great faith endures testing, why? Why? What about great faith is motivated enough to endure testing? Well, thank you for asking. Let's go back to the text. It says this, you had compassion on those in prison and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. I, about five years ago, was able to buy a house in Boston, which was a miracle because the real estate market and prices in Boston are nuts. 
And as I mentioned before, I don't preach the prosperity gospel, so I don't get paid like those guys. And, and so we offered on 18 different homes, and I finally bought a home, and it was the mother of all fixer-uppers. It was a dumpster fire with a door. I moved in, and I immediately became sad. And for two years, with these hands and very little money, I remodeled my house. And, and now it's like, I like living there, but it took a minute. If someone came who hated Jesus and kicked down my door and started breaking all my stuff, I can tell you, I would have a difficult time being described as joyfully receiving the plundering of my property, <laughs> right? If I took your phone, your computer, your books, and started having a slam party, you probably wouldn't either. So, so what motivates the heart of a man or woman who's willing to not just accept the plundering of their property, but joyfully so, and the answer is this, reward. Great faith endures testing because great faith has its eye on the reward of following Jesus. Now, this is so important because some of you are just good folks. And you say, look, I go to church because it's the right thing to do. And I follow Jesus because it's the right thing to do. And I'm going to be a good person because it's the right thing to do. The only problem with that is that motivation is not right. It's not enough. It's not enough that it's just the right thing to do. The Bible says that Jesus Christ endured the cross, despising its shame for the joy set before him, for the reward of seeing the work of redemption done. Great faith endures testing because it has its eye on the reward. And it's not the reward of money or body or prosperity or future or, or any of that. It has its eye on the reward of God himself. Great faith can endure the loss of all things because the one thing that the gospel gives you that no one can take away is God. And God is the reward of the gospel. Don't believe me, though. I'm a white guy who lives in Boston, Massachusetts in the United States of America. What do I know about suffering? Nothing. Nothing. So don't believe me. Believe Pastor Wang Yi. He's the pastor of Early Rain Covenant Church in China. And at the beginning of December, he was arrested and beaten and held without trial. And his wife was as well, and many of his church leaders. His church was dispersed. His property was seized by the communist government of China. And he could feel that this was happening. Like he, he knew it was just around the corner. And so he wrote a document called My Declaration of Faithful Disobedience. And I would encourage you to Google it and read it later. It's quite a read. But I, I want to read to you part of it because it captures what I mean. For the entire commission God has given me is to let more Chinese people know through my actions that the hope of humanity and society is only in the redemption of Christ, in the supernatural, gracious sovereignty of God. If God decides to use the persecution of this communist regime against the church to help more Chinese people to despair of their futures, to lead them through a wilderness of spiritual disillusionment, and through this to make them know Jesus, if through this he continues disciplining and building up his church, then I am joyfully willing to submit to God's plans, for his plans are benevolent and good. If I am imprisoned for a long or short period of time, if I can help reduce the authority's fear of my faith and of my Savior, I am very joyfully willing to help them in this way. 
But I know that only when I renounce all the wickedness of this persecution against the church and use peaceful means to disobey will I truly be able to help the souls of the authorities and law enforcement. I hope God uses me by means of first losing my personal freedom to tell those who have deprived me of my personal freedom that there is an authority higher than their authority. And there is a freedom that they cannot restrain, a freedom that fills the church of the crucified and risen Jesus Christ. Separate me from my wife and children. Ruin my reputation. Destroy my life and my family. The authorities are capable of doing all of these things. However, No one in this world can force me to renounce my faith. No one can make me change my life. And no one can raise me from the dead. How do you willingly lose property, family, money, reputation? because you have your eye on a reward that's better than all of them. My friends, if you are using your faith to get something from God that you want more than you want God, you aren't a Christian. You are an idolater, and you need to repent. Using God to get God's stuff is idolatry. It is idolatry. It is Christian-sounding, church-saturated idolatry. This is Christianity. And it is so God-saturated, so God-honoring, and so fixed on God as reward that it is willing to experience the loss of all things that if by means of that loss others might know Jesus. Did you hear in his words? I am joyfully willing to experience the loss of my personal freedom so that they will know that there is one who gives them a freedom that no one can take away. Great faith like that endures testing because it has its eyes on a reward that nothing in this world can remove. That is what is meant when the New Testament says, we have been crucified with Christ and the life we now live with in the body is lived by faith in the Son of God, that we are hidden with him in Christ and that we have a reward that will never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for us. Nothing can separate you from it if you maintain trust in him. That means we must be willing to live sacrificially and not just Instagram sacrificially. Can I just talk about that for a minute? My city, wow, we're the worst at like helping a poor person, hashtag benevolence, right? And it's just you giving money to, it's the worst. I mean living sacrificially, like, I don't know, maybe you give yourself a voluntary pay cut so that you can help someone. Maybe you open your home or you you cook a meal or you just pray long. Whatever it is that you can do so that other people can know Jesus. Come on. Great faith endures testing with an eye on the reward. Why? Because victory, thirdly, is just around the corner. Listen to what he says. Do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance so that when you've done the will of God, you may receive what is promised for yet a little while, and the coming one will come and not delay. Listen, 
Do you hear it in his words? Like, yeah, just, you're just, you're almost there. Don't give up now. How sad would it be for you to have run all this way and give up just before the finish line, just before you receive the medal, just before you get the prize? Don't stop. Some of you right now, today, in this service, want to give up. You're ready to quit. And you're in church. But you don't want to be here. (laughs) You look good right here. How are you? Oh, very good, brother. Very good, brother. Yes, sister. Oh, yes. Use Christian words to kind of ward off anybody. It's like garlic to a vampire. It's just a tough season. Oh, okay. But you want to quit. And here is my encouragement to you. Don't give up. Don't quit. For after you have endured for a little while, you will obtain goal of your faith, salvation of your soul, the scriptures say. Don't stop. God is with you. He will bless you. Other people need you to be faithful. Come on, don't quit. I've wanted to quit everything. I've wanted to quit family. I've wanted to quit ministry. I've wanted to quit breathing. And by God's grace, I've not quit. And I'm so glad because how sad would it be to have almost made it. Jesus once said to someone who came to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And we we hear that and we're like, oh, what a compliment. Not far. Oh, thank you, Jesus. It's not a compliment. Not far from the kingdom of God is still not in the kingdom of God. It's still outside the wall. Don't quit. Victory is just around the corner. Come on, yet a little while. He is almost here. It is almost time. Every day that you live is one day closer to the day that the trumpet sounds, the dead are raised, and the glory of the Lord covers the earth even as the waters cover the sea. Do not give up. Why? Because victory is around the corner. And if you maintain faith in God like that, you will receive reward. But I have to tell you, the inverse is true. It's right here in your Bible. If you shrink back, my soul takes no pleasure. Great faith endures. Finally, great faith like this, it endures forever. It goes on and on and on and on. Very end of this verse, or very end of this passage, is a weird Bible verse. First part makes sense. We are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but are of those who have faith. Mm, yeah. But the last part's weird. And preserve their souls. Preserve? I don't know what you think of when you hear the word preserve. I think of jars of formaldehyde with animals in them. Do you know what I mean? Just preserve your soul. Like, oh, my soul is just plunk, screw the lid on, jar. It's weird. That's a strange sentence. But in Greek, it makes a lot more sense. It literally means your soul will go on and on and on forever. The essential part of who you are keeps going. What is this? A very Hebrew way of saying you will have eternal life. Great faith like this endures forever if that faith is constantly and consistently placed in the man, Jesus Christ, the faithful one. You will gain eternal life if you trust in Jesus, but not if you trust in him and then throw away your faith. But if you trust in him as a way of being, this is what it means to be a Jesus follower. I asked you at the very beginning, when was the last time you wanted to quit? And then I told you when I wanted to quit. And 
and I told you that I'd, I'd walk through depression and stuff. And some of you, I can see it on your faces. I don't know if you know this, but we pastors can see your faces. <laughs> and some of you, your emotions and reactions are very connected to your faces. And some of you are like, they let him become a pastor? Well, it wasn't because recruitment was low, okay? Yeah, they let me become a pastor. You know why? Because Jesus experienced the same thing. It's recorded in all four of your Gospels, actually. There in the Garden of Gethsemane with his friends, our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, cries out to his Father, I want to quit. I'm out. I don't want to do this. He's so filled with stress and anxiety that his capillaries burst and he sweats blood. But he says, yet not my will, but yours be done. And here's why being a Christian is so amazing. Because Jesus Christ overcame his desire to quit. He maintained enduring faith, which means you and I now have the capacity to endure with him too. And when we don't, when we fail, and when we quit and waver, we worship the only God who overcame the desire to quit and has grace for those who fail. We worship a Jesus not who demands perfect faith so that we can save ourselves, but who has demonstrated perfect faith for people who could never save themselves. Which is why he can give us the power to keep going and the grace to get back on the horse when we've fallen off. When was the last time you wanted to quit? Well, don't. Great faith endures. My simple question is, are you going to endure? The choice is very much up to you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for these men and women. I thank you for this church. I thank you for victory. I thank you, God, for what you've done just in this Uh, this region of this amazing country with these amazing churches. Lord, I'm asking that you would make the coming days of this house greater than any that have come before it. But God, do it through our great faith. I pray, Lord, for my friends in here whose faith is wavering, who feel like they're uh, ready to, 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 to give up, ready to quit, ready to fall off. God, strengthen them. Fill them with courage. Fill them with power by the Holy Spirit to keep going. And Lord, for my friends in here who are just checking out Christianity and aren't quite sure, God, I pray that you would give them the gift of great faith to trust in the faithful one, Jesus Christ, for the salvation and preservation of their souls. Amen. Praise God. Thank you so much, Pastor Adam. Let's give a little hand for that. Let's stand up right now. I believe God wants to minister to us. Let's just have a time of worship. Those are powerful words. You know, God wants us to have great enduring faith. The same kind of faith that saved us is the same faith that will sustain us. God does not want any one of us to quit whatever it is you're facing right now. God wants us to endure till the very end. I believe that God's grace is here. Some of us are going through some tough times. Maybe some of you are believing God for a miracle in your life. 
Some of you are going through some difficult times, maybe financially. Some are going through tough times emotionally, maybe some physically, some relationally. But I believe that God wants us to, to continue to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of all our faith. You just heard a podcast from Victory. For more messages like these, or to access other resources, please visit our website at victory.org.ph or like our page on Facebook at facebook.com slash victoryph.